one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, everyone, welcome in. Red Sox Beat, you know the drill by now. Of course you do here on CLNS Radio. This episode of Red Sox Beat is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and enter the promo code CELTICS to get that uh, hefty discount, which is great. There are great mattresses, and you should go check it out. Great new sponsor of ours. Um, all right, well, welcome in. Again, this is Red Sox Speed. I'm joined, of course, by Lauren Campbell, Jess Thomas, and we have a guest on this week, Paul Sullivan, better known as Sully of Sully Baseball. His Twitter, the Twitter handle, I believe, Sully, is at Sully Baseball. That's very that simple. That would be correct. Yep, at all right. Sully Baseball. That's how it is. Um, I'm going to get this wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, daily, bo- daily podcast, right, about 20 minutes in length, everyone? Yeah, every single one. Every single one. And the... Uh, one that's being posted on Monday, which would be the 20th of July, 2015, is episode 1,000. They have done 1,000 straight days of a podcast every day. Well, congratulations on that. That's huge. I don't know what I could do for 1,000 straight days, but you just did a podcast. So that's impressive. Yeah, we had uh, um, Aaron Dolan, who is uh, on out here in the San Francisco Bay Area, she does a lot of on-camera stuff for Comcast Sports. And she's also the girlfriend of Sean Doolittle, who's a pitcher for the A's. And so she kind of tells us a little bit about some stuff about being the, being involved with a all-star pitcher and it's also some of the insanity that happens at the Oakland Coliseum. So it was a fun show. Oh, that's cool. That, that sounds like a good show. We're going to have to check that out. Don't forget, at Sully Baseball, you can check at out Sully every Baseball. show every, every day. Every day you can see you can get a new show of Sully. Better than us, we only put a new show out every week. So uh, Sully's beating us on that one. So when you get need some new uh, baseball info, go check out Sully Baseball as well. well. I, figured, um, I figured in order to get, if I did a weekly show, if I wanted to get to episode 1000, it would be, I believe, the year 2033 would be able to get there. So uh, all right, both you know. of you, we have a goal: 2033. <laughs> We're both doing it. We're going to get to 1,000. All right. <laughs> um, let, let's get to our brought you on here and ask you a few questions. Um, before we get into any sort of Red Sox stuff, I want to ask you, I'm assuming you watched the Home Run Derby last week? Yeah. Did you like the new format? I loved it. It was fun. I mean, every year, I'm one of these people that every year I poo-poo the Home Run Derby, and then every year I get into it. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, no one admits they watch reality shows, but then you turn it on, you get kind of hooked. I mean, that to me is a little bit of how I feel about the Home Run Derby. I get it's dumb and goofy, but it, it was it was fun and it was a, it was a neat ripple to it. I I, I was all for it. You know, it, it's just they treat it as fun. It is fun and it's goofy, but yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with goofy. I like the um, the, new, the clock because it adds a little bit of walk off style, some drama yeah. to it. Just not it, it also pick up the pace a little bit. I don't like to need. I don't need to watch a home run derby for three hours. That's right. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just guys swinging from their heels trying to hit homers, and you know that could get dull after a while. And I think that it it, it adds a certain amount of of sense of urgency to what is essentially just a fun thing to do. You know, I, I don't. Get people get upset about things like the home run derby. It's like just relax. It's just kind of fun. What, <laughs> are you just that angry at life? You know, it's got to break. You got to have something to break up the uh, monotony of 162 games. Well, I don't find it 162 games to be monotony. Quite frankly, then again, you talk to a guy that's 365 podcasts a year on the topic. <laughs> but I, I think that that's part of the rhythm of the sport. But I think that it is. This is just a fun thing to do on everyone's day off. And, you know, I, I don't understand people who get upset by stuff like that. Just, you know, eventually you'll be lowered into the ground in a box. And do you want to spend that much time on earth mad at things like the home run derby? I mean, come on. Um, so you just brought it up and I wasn't going to ask you this, but I'm kind of curious. Cause I know we're going to talk about it after we uh, let you out of here. Um, Rob Manfred brought up how the talks of 154 games is a very strong possibility. And you just said, you don't mind the 162 games. So how would you feel about baseball dropping the game out? No, it's not too much because 154 games isn't that much of a difference, but it's still decreasing the size of the season. 
Oh, I, I think it's a smart thing to do. I mean, I like honor-resistant keeping, but I also know that I'm a lunatic. Uh, I, I think that there's <laughs> a lot. There, he's not doing that for me. I know that. He's doing that to, for, you know, appealing some of the fans and creating certain, you know, there's a certain amount of urgency. I, I think, I mean, I talk about this on the, the 1000th podcast, so I guess I'm spoiling something here. I'd take it a step further and move the whole season back a month. I think the season should end on Labor Day because after Labor Day, you try starting baseball conversations with people. No one wants to talk about it. No one's, it's the best part of the season, and no one's paying attention. So if they do my plan of move the season back a month and spend the first month playing in warm weather cities and dome cities, you can manipulate the schedule so that the season really ends when summer ends. That'd be easier to do with a 154-game schedule. So I'm all for it. And, in fact, I, I like this new commissioner. I was not a big Bud Selig fan. But, uh, Most I people like, weren't. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, I think that this is – there's some forward thinking here beyond just, well, this is the way it is. Um, and I think that I'm for it if it's done right. You know, if it's not just a knee-jerk reaction – I'm I'm all for anything. You know, I just enjoy baseball. I'll watch raccoons play baseball. I'm not. You don't have to worry about me. Uh, but I, I do think that if done correctly and really trying to capitalize where the pennant race is being seen by the most number of eyeballs, I think that's a smart thing to do. So, Sully, I want to I want to ask you a question about. Uh, the Red Sox, since obviously this is the Red oh, Sox God. show. Why? Why? <laughs> oh, we do was, talk about was, them once a week, so we kind I of was, inclined. I was feeling good about my life. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> right. So, basically, my main question is: now that the Red Sox have got shot out two games in a row to start the second half of the season, yeah. where where is yeah. the cutoff point this season to them having any chance? And you might think they already have no chance, but obviously, mathematically, they have plenty of a chance, but what chance would you put them at make the playoffs, and what at what point are they going to be out of it? Well, I, th- I think that we have to look at the time when they're out of it. It's probably mid-May. <laughs> mid-May. Yeah, it was probably the first day of the season, you know. No, no not the first day of the season. I think that it was I, – I looked at them around Memorial Day, and I said, you know, you don't have to eat a whole – pot of spaghetti sauce to know how it tastes and you don't have to watch an entire season to know what this team is going to do i've Mm -hmm. seen we've seen three red sox champions we've seen many teams that made the playoffs and we've seen several teams that fell just short and then we've seen some teams that are like wow this is not going to happen this year is it and boy that's what i was tasting on that little wooden spoon by the end of May, um, I think that this is not a I, – I, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, the amount of things that will have to go right, that there's no indication that these things will go right for this Red Sox team, makes me say, yeah, they don't have a shot. And you know what? I don't – this is where I'm going to say something somewhat sacrilegious here. I don't necessarily think that's a terrible thing. I think that if they're not going to win this year, I also don't think they're in a position where they can trade away many of their assets. So I wouldn't mind them keep bringing up players from Pawtucket and see what we've got. Bogarts has turned into a fine player. Betts has turned into a fine player. Brock Holt has turned into a fine player. You know, you may see that there are some pieces that moving forward to next year could fit together, and there are going to be some terrific starting pitchers available in the free agent market. So I, they're not going to make the postseason. I want everyone to take that out of your brains. I want you to, to do an eternal sunshine of the spotless mind and just wipe that little part of your brain out that says they're not going to make the World Series, they're not going to make the postseason. Dust off the 2013 DVDs in case you need a little boost. It wasn't that long ago. And realize that this is what a rebuilding year looks like. You have some veterans, you got some young players, it won't always work, but do you know what? They could be laying down the groundwork for 2016 and 2017. And uh, I'm, I, I'm not even thinking about postseason at this point. If they get it, that, that'd be like look, looking into your uh, jacket pocket that you haven't worn in a few months and finding an extra $20 bill stuck in the pocket there. I mean, to me, yeah, that's a just feeling. a bonus. Yeah. 
it's a great feeling, and it's not going to happen. So, <laughs> but no, that's my take. I mean, I think I, I'm I'm not even thinking that way. I mean, I just want to see. I get excited. I say, oh, that still looks good, or Holt is still getting some hits, or Bogarts is coming together. That's where I get excited about with this team. I mean, anything else that happens, you know, it's we, they teased us a little bit going into the Yankees series when they went on that nice little win streak, and like, hey, if they sweep the Yankees, they'll only be oh no, no, stop it, go on. Uh, it's not my first barbecue. It's not my first barbecue with this team. I know. I know what's happening, and it's good and bad. I know what the good teams look like. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. What did you say? Oh no, I was just gonna say I'm gonna stick with the uh, the Red Sox theme here with questions. Um, yeah, go ahead. With um, Ryan Hannigan, he came back a few weeks right before the All Star break, and he said that he had seen something in Rick Porcello that wanted to give him another shot. He came out pitched yeah. pretty well, and then. His last start wasn't the greatest. Do you think the catcher has any impact on that, or is Rick Porcello just terrible? Well, Porcello has been – I can prove Porcello has been terrible in a court of law, like in front of a jury of my peers. I can stand and I can – you know, he has been terrible. But there has been instances of – I mean, every team has, and has had situations where a pitcher has been horrific one year and then – Something you know, they they turn things around somewhere else. I mean, I mean, just look at the main reason the Red Sox went from being as bad as they were in 2012 to winning the World Series in 2013. I'm sorry, I mean, it's sacrilege. It wasn't Beards. It wasn't Boston Strong. It was they got terrible seasons from Lester and Buckholtz and Lackey beforehand, and actually Lackey was out for the entire season. And they got then they turned them around, and they got good seasons the next year. And I really think that Porcello is a, is has ability. I mean, he's not. It's not like a Make a Wish Foundation situation when he pitches. You know, he's a major league pitcher. So there's clearly something going wrong. Now, whether Hannigan can be the Porcello whisperer, that I don't know. But it would be. It is. It was encouraging that he pitched well. And this is one of those things that I'm saying that, you know, you go into the season. If Porcello could have a second now, if Porcello could have a better second half, so yeah, that's a low bar. Can you be worse than grotesque? If he if he can improve upon grotesque and merely be eh, then that's an improvement. And then you know he's only twenty six. So I mean, I'm, this is the sort of things that you know I'm looking forward to with his team is seeing can you know we saw Miley has pitched quite well recently. You know, Rodriguez has been up and down. Porcello, if he could start to turn it around there and, you know, someone please take Joe Kelly into the bullpen, you may have the foundation of someone that if you go out and there's the the prices or the Quakos or the Grinkies available in free agency next year, it may not be a lost cause. So I hope so. And that's my long-winded way of saying I hope so. I don't know, but I hope so. <laughs> Again, we're talking to uh, Sully from Sully Baseball. Uh, go check him out on Twitter at Sully Baseball. Sully, I got to ask you um, because he's been a huge headache around here this entire season, and it doesn't look like it's getting any better. Um, what does this team need to do with Mike Napoli moving forward? Um, it, it, now, if I'm not mistaken, is this the is this the last year of his deal? Yes, he's done after his deal's up after this season. Well, then do you what? This is this is this is one of those things. He obviously is no trade value. And yep. at this point, I don't understand what cutting him would really do. I think that when you bring you're bringing up the young players, eventually Castillo will be be up. Probably a couple of the young players will be up again. I, I know this is a cliche, and I know that this is sort of things that that a lot of people who are like sabermetrics people would would you know beat me to death with a water ski for saying this out loud. But I, I don't see the problem with having. Uh, a veteran in the clubhouse with a World Series ring and was a big part of that to be around some of the young players, even if they know he's going to walk. And it's kind of like when Mike Lowell was in his last year. You know, it doesn't really – there's nothing you're going to do. You can't trade for him. And I don't, and cutting him just would make the situation not good. I mean, it's it stinks that he's having a crap last year, but – you know, they got what they wanted out of him. I mean, remember, this is, I'm, I'm going on a tangent here, but just let me go on this tangent for a second because this connects to everything else. 
we Red Sox fans have to remember that 2013 was a rebuilding year. That sounds strange because they won the World Series in a rebuilding year, but that's what it was. They had the horrific year with Bobby Valentine to do it. Let's just stick some short-term, you know, plug-ins of veterans in some of these spots while we try to build the team up through the farm. And it just so happens that those players had a great year in 2013 and they won the World Series. But Napoli was never supposed to be a long-term solution. Victorino was never supposed to be a long-term Combs, all of them. And so this is kind of what we thought was going to happen. Napoli would fill in for a few years and eventually would, you know, go off into the sunset. And we should be grateful that he was able to win a championship with us, but this is kind of going according to plan. I'm getting excited about a crap life. <laughs> yeah, I like I like what you're saying about about Napoli. That makes sense. It makes me feel better about him not doing well because you're right, he wasn't supposed to do do much for, for a number of years. So I want to yeah. just cover a couple things with you. Uh, the three of us had some had some nice uh, heated conversation last week about these topics, and I just want to get your take. Just, oh, this is coming up now. I just huh? want to see Go what ahead, you think about this. Yeah, so <laughs> covering two things. One, Clay Buckholz, one, David Ortiz. So you cover both okay. of them. Um, for Buckholz, what do you think his situation was? Did he get – was he actually hurt or did he just not want to pitch the game anymore? And then Ortiz, was he actually sick or you just not want to play or was he actually sick? Um, this is going to – this may sound like a cop-out uh, on my point of view. Um, oh, come on, Sully. Don't do it. Don't cop-out on us. I, I give both of them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, All right. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't – Thank you. At, at, this, at this point, first of all, I mean – I, there's a part of me is like, okay, if you contribute to a Red Sox championship or multiple Red Sox championships, as the case of those two, they were buckles to a no hitter in '07. Um, I would, the, I would be more interested in Buckholz than than Ortiz. Ortiz, well, we all know Ortiz is a prima donna. We all know that. We all know that. But he's our yeah. prima donna. He's our prima donna. And do you know what? In many ways, he doesn't know us a damn thing. Buckholz is, uh, yeah, he's a little flaky. He's like a big box of Kellogg's Flakes is what he is. We got that. We know that. We know that. Is there the possibility that they were whining their way out of it? Of course there is. But I don't know that. And this is one of those instances that, you know what? I, I have, they have so much goodwill in the bank with me that I'm like, eh, I'm going to take your word for it. You know, it doesn't, this isn't like they were, they were, they asked for, what Manny was doing when the Red Sox were in a legit pennant race in 2008 and forgetting which knee he said he injured. That was a team that was a defending champion that was neck and neck with Tampa trying to win the East and trying to get back in the playoffs. And Manny also, I believe me, I, Manny, I've always equated to a trip to Las Vegas that it's a lot of fun when it starts, and at one point you're going, we better end this. This is getting dangerous. Um, <laughs> that, you know, Manny Ramirez is one part Joe DiMaggio, one part Gilligan. But the, you got, he didn't, as much as I loved Manny, you knew that he was flaking out. You knew that he was asking out of the lineup. He knew it didn't, and that was part of his reputation. It was also, it evidently was, was, what led him to be traded out of town, even though he was a big hero of two champions. Um, it, there's not as much on the line this year. So that's one reason I'm going like, I'm not getting into a kerfuffle about this because you know what? It, even if they did, it isn't like this is a team that's neck and neck for the tenant. So I give them the benefit of the doubt. And if it turns out it wasn't on the shrugs, well, thanks for 07 and 13. Right, that makes me feel better. Fair, Appreciate that. Fair, fair enough. I won't. I won't be. I won't be mad because you've been such a gracious guest. I'm gonna ask you one more thing quickly before we let you out of here and let you out of your hot seat here, Sully. Um, just this week, what do you think is gonna happen this week? Is, is uh, Houston and Detroit gonna be too much, or is Sox gonna probably even keel at 500? What's gonna happen this week? Um, I see they're they're facing a Houston team that's in a spiral right now, and and I this was actually the topic of today's podcast. If Houston goes five games under 500 for the rest of the season. This is an overwhelming success because then they'd have a winning season. You know I mean, <laughs> this was a couple of years ago. This was a hundred, what, 10 lost team and a 90 lost team and another hundred lost team. 
And now if they if they have finished eighty, if you said at the beginning of the year they're going to go eighty two and eighty, you say, whoa, what a huge improvement! And so they're catching a team that was playing above their heads. You know, the law of averages are starting to catch up with Houston. Detroit is a team which was started this year in the fifth annual "We'll Win the World Series if We Take Care of the Bullpen" celebration, and Detroit is turning into the Phillies with. Big contracts, big players, except without that championship. So, I mean, if the Red Sox are going to put together any amount of wins, catching Houston and Detroit on a downturn is a way to do it. But, again, I'm a little older than you guys, I think. I remember the year after the 86 World Series, which, in case you're wondering, was 87. And (laughs) that year, the Red Sox weren't very good, but it was a lot of fun because that was the year that Burks and Greenwell – and Sam Horn and John Marzano and Todd Bensinger and Jody Reed. There were a lot of players who all came up that year that you're like, man, this team's not very good, but this is going to be a pretty good team. And they wound up winning two of the next three divisions. This team kind of feels like that. And so if they win a bunch of games, great. I don't want want them to lose 90. Uh, Great if they go on a run, but, and, and, you know, facing Detroit and Houston is probably the right thing at this point, but, I, I, again, we got to temper. We got to sort of look at the individuals and say, "Here's what we have moving forward in the the next year," as opposed to thinking they're going to go on some great, great run, which you know we all know isn't going to. This is not going to happen with this with this club. All right. Well, there it is. Enjoy, basically, the message from Sully is enjoy this team for what it is, and I completely agree. Again, this is Sully, at Sully Baseball. Sully from, of course, his uh, daily podcast, thousandth episode this week. So go on and check it out and listen to it if you haven't. Uh, Sully, we appreciate the time, of course, and you're more than welcome to join us again. So just uh, let us know and don't be a stranger. All right. All right. Had a lot of fun. Hey, thanks a lot. Take care. And uh, hey, I did go socks. Even if it's go not, socks. Even if it's not for a title, go socks. There it is. All right. Take care, y'all. Have a good one. Thanks, Sully. All right. Again, that's uh, at Sully Baseball on Twitter, daily podcast. Man, first of all, congrats to him on the 1,000th podcast because that's crazy. I don't have the intention span to do anything for a 1,000 days in a row, and he's killing it every day. And Sully was brought to you by Reached App. Sports fans want to engage with your favorite CLS personalities. Download the Reached App today for both the iPhone and Android. Are you a fan of the Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, or Patriots? Make your voice heard. Join our favorite show join your favorite show and our host will ask questions maybe your answer will get heard on air download the reach app today again at www.reachapp.com backslash clns and before um we move on i kind of want to talk about a couple of things that he said uh jess do you have any reach results for us this week yeah we got a couple of them um my question of course two questions ago was do you think david ortiz was sick on on sunday because yeah. This is what we've been doing. And uh, we got eight responses, and five said yes. So you guys can go jump off a cliff. And, I was uh, waiting for that. You can suck it. Yeah, you can definitely suck it. And you can uh, take take Sully with me, and you guys can go jump together. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll hang out with Lauren. It's okay. Yeah, that's good. You guys can have fun. Um, and our second question was one that Jared posed, which was, should Pete Rose get reinstatement by the commissioner? And we got seven responses, and five actually said yes. What was my response again? I don't remember. I think I know what I said. Uh, me and you said no, and everyone else said yes. Yeah, okay. I, didn't, I thought so. I don't want him in. That's bull. Yeah. He isn't, he isn't there. Lauren, why, why should he be in since you said yes? Um, I feel like he's broken these records or has these records because not because of steroids, not because of PEDs. And yeah, he bet on baseball, but well, maybe now it's coming out that as a player, but. That's why know. I'm saying no. Yes, yeah, More recent story is what's killing me. I wanted him in before that, but if that's actually true, the more recent story, then no thanks. But that's exactly what I think. <laughs> you, you can you can you can be out of there. Um, okay, Lauren, I think you were gonna say something. No, I was gonna say until that until that story comes out that it's true, I'm gonna keep it that he should be in the Hall of Fame. So I'll be reinstated. Fair, fair enough. Fair, fair, fair. I'm so ashamed, and I'm not ashamed of Sully. Don't think that for anything, Sully. But he didn't agree with me and Lauren that Ortiz and Buckholz were faking things. And <laughs> I, I just so that. strongly believe that. That, like, it's just so hard for me to change my ways. And I think it's funny, too, because a couple of days after we recorded the show and that article came out, I think it was Nesson the first one I saw anyway, that said that David Ortiz had, like, a 104 fever or whatever it was and, like, all this stuff. Yeah. And he showed up and tried to get play and the doctor sent him home. I don't buy it, but, I mean, at least I have a story and they're moving on from it. So it's not going to be anything major. And he comes out and says, of course, I would have. it was the Yankees, all this stuff. I would have played if I could. 
I, it's hard to not give Dave Ortiz a minute for the but I'm not still. Um, I don't really know how you can't, but we'll we'll stick with that. I mean, it's even, I won't I won't extend this argument again. No, I don't want to. It's not going anyway. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it again. But I'm glad that he agreed with me. I had no idea what he was going to think. I just took a huge shot in the dark, and I was happy. Yeah, I do. Um, I do agree with his take on Mike Napoli, though, and I do want to talk yeah. about that. So we might as well do, yeah. might as well do it now. I love that. Um, I like. I didn't really think of it that way before. But I do like the, the way of thinking it as, okay, worst case scenario, he's up at the end of the year. You have a guy who is a veteran who doesn't know what it takes to win. With these young kids who you're trying to be your future, you might as well have them learn from someone decent who you loved having here. And I think that's part of the reason also why you can consider, consider why Shane Victorino is still here. I mean, other than that, no one wants him anyway. But, like, he's also another great veteran presence who's won a ring, who clearly plays balls to the wall every day when he's in there. And that's why he's only in there for half the season. But... He still plays hard. He knows what it takes to win. And these young kids are learning from the right people still, despite them not being successful this year. Yeah, I really liked what he said about that. It just kind of made it feel better. And I like that whole interview because he made me feel better about everything. I still want them to do well. And I still, I'm still going to hold my glimmer of hope they'll make the playoffs. But he made me feel better about like whatever happens. He just, I don't know, it's, it just felt good. And also one other thing about Sully, he reminded me of Nick Jelsa. He did a little bit. He had a little <laughs> chipper in his step, a little excitement. Yeah. Was, uh, like, Nick Jelso, you're welcome for listening. <laughs> got your uh, sound alike. Because I see most people um, like Sully because he sounds like a great guy. So if, so we're complimenting you, Nick. So <laughs> yeah. take take that take that well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I just think I just I don't know. I, the whole Mike Napoli thing is just. I think at this point, it's I want them to if they could get anything for him, by all means, trade him. I just don't think he's worth anything. Um, and at this point, what you, you can't really sit him as much as he's not doing well for your team. You want to do well this year. I think it's you don't want to put a crap product on the field as an ownership, as a manager, and also as a fan. Of course, you don't want to watch boring baseball. But I don't think it benefits this team losing anyway. It's not like it's basketball where you can tank and all of a sudden be that much better off the next year. Like it's not going to help them by any means by losing the rest of the season. No, I don't think so either. But he's. I definitely think he's a positive voice in that clubhouse for the. For the young ones, so it's going to suck to lose him, and it sucks that he's not performing what I want him to be, but I don't know. But like Sully said, he was never a long-term plan. It's just no, so strange. No, we knew that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just strange because he he's been so good, and then he got his surgery, and he was supposedly going to be better than ever, and he's just been awful. It just makes no sense, but... We've battered that topic so much. <laughs> I don't even you know. know. I, don't want, I don't want to keep talking about a surgery, but I really wanted to bring it up because at this point in the season, we're getting close to the deadline. And um, I don't even know the dates off the top of my head. We might have one more show before the deadline. So we'll, probably, we'll do a deadline show. We'll talk about it coming once we get closer. But I just feel like they have, they have to think about hard what they want to do with them and if maybe they can, if some team wants to take a risk on them. Because some team might, some contender might consider him. Not really a risk, but like if you can get him cheap, clearly you will. Um, put him on the bench, have him as a late bat if you can help him figure it out. If another team can see something that we aren't seeing as a Red Sox organization, then they could take him, work him, and maybe put him off the bench, defensive replacement, because he's not a terrible first baseman, people. So it's not like, you know what I mean? So some contender might low, uh, consider it a low-risk, high-reward type thing, considering he's, he's up at the end of the year anyway. Yeah, I mean, they might think of it as a lightning-in-a-bottle kind of thing and hope that he could just, for some reason, all of a sudden maybe do what he did against the Angels that in, in May and just decide he's going to be an incredible hitter for a week, and that could really benefit the team. Who would you... Okay, I, I don't want to like throw this out there too much because it's, I haven't really thought about it either, but who, who would probably be a couple teams, either of you, who, who maybe couldn't use Mike Napoli in a low-risk, uh, low high-reward type thing? Hmm. I'm thinking Texas. Texas, huh? But they're not really that great anyway. No, I feel like it'd have to be like a better. T- I don't know, Minnesota maybe. Since See, they're, was, they're on the verge. I, yeah. I was thinking Minnesota, but I don't know. Like, I just feel like he's who's the first baseman for the Astros. I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, it's Chris Carter, DH, in your first base now. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. I think he's the first base. I think it's Chris Carter. God, he's terrible. I'll say maybe put some veteran presence in, into that locker room as one, and that might help them get off the shot. That shine. actually makes a lot of sense. Because they have Carter, and I mean he's kind of Napoli-ish. He has a terrible average and hits home runs, but his average is even yeah. worse than Napoli's, which is hard to do. So you're, so it's a slight improvement. You basically replace <laughs> a guy who does the same thing with a more veteran guy with, with World Series experience. It makes sense. And they're not that old, that team. like So they can no. use a veteran presence. Yeah, they're yeah. a young team. That I think that would be good. <laughs> All right, uh, 
Get on the phone, Sherrington. Get 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 Houston on the phone. Yeah, Houston. Houston, we do not have a problem. <laughs> Take, you can have Mike Napoli. I swear it's not a problem. He is not a problem. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, no, I think that would be a good fit. Um, anywhere in the NL, probably not. I don't know. I just feel like he's an AL-type guy. I don't think any team is really desperate enough for a DH, maybe. But, um, yeah, I think Houston I, I and Minnesota just, would be a good, good choices. Top two choices. I don't think he's going anywhere. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that's going to happen. Not, but I was just yeah. curious what you guys thought about Paul. I think Houston sounds like the best fit, to be honest. I think it does, too. Yeah, I can see that. All right, I don't want to talk about Mike Napoli forever because <laughs> we've talked about we've talked about Mike Napoli. There's only so much you can say about the guy who's hitting like crap and good on good in the field. You can only say so much about it. Um, let's do some MLB headlines. Get caught up here on some smaller stuff, and then we'll move on to uh, some more Red Sox talks, some fantasy talks, of course, coming on in just a bit. A quick two game uh, recap. <laughs> quick two game recaps. We'll, pre- we'll pre- obviously preview the week that's coming about as well. Um, but let's do some MLB headlines quick. Only got a couple here. One of them is Red Sox related. First, Brian Johnson. You're welcome, uh, Warren. Is pitching Tuesday finally? Um, he, he will be making his major league debut in Houston on Tuesday. For some reason, I kept thinking it was Monday when I was doing other stuff earlier. But you no, know, it's Tuesday. Pitching against Houston. Um, secondly, Rob Manford. I talked. We, talk, we mentioned this with Sully. Um, spoke at the All Star Game last week, and he's open to the idea of expanding the league. That means adding teams. Um, also including going and adding more playoff teams, which I'll get to in a second. Ugh. And um, also, of course, uh, dropping the schedule to 154 games. And finally, oh no, I only had two. That's a bummer. thought I had three. Oh well, we'll do two. Don't mind my lousy preparation. Hey, so those are your MLB headlines. Day early. <laughs> day early. And it was a boring week of baseball. I had not much to go off of. And the AL won the um, All-Star team. There you go. There's your... Uh, third update if you want to the third one but um yeah so we know what your feeling is lauren on brian johnson so jess how do you feel about brian johnson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, ex- I'm excited for him i think it'll be good to see him start and i also like the matchup that he's fa- he's facing uh, vincent velasquez on tuesday for the astros and this will only be velasquez's seventh career game in the majors so it's not like it's not like johnson's facing the guy who's been in the league for 15 years and has had a really good career he's facing a guy who's basically as new as him so I think that'll be a good matchup I think he'll he's facing a good team it'll be good to see what he does against Houston I, I'm, I'm excited for it are your hormones flying Jess not at all <laughs> no, <you're sure? laughs> I'll just enjoy it and watch it and move on <laughs> okay. I won't even bother asking you Lauren because I know how you feel about it I'm just really excited yeah those hormones <laughs> are flying over there huh if he does terrible though, everywhere so bad. it's okay the hormones be... are still flying it's so I'm fine. be like I saw him pitch I'm so excited he's still here <laughs> Why do you like him so much? Because <laughs> uh, I've been waiting for this guy to come up. He's so good. And we'll see. And he's got a pretty face. Uh, yeah, let's move right. on. He looks, um, he looks pretty unattractive to me. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before that goes anywhere, we shouldn't be taking it. Um, <laughs> the Rob Manfred stuff last week. Yeah. He, he, he's very open-minded. I love him as commissioner so far. He's doing some good things. But he's saying stuff that we've been talking about for a while as media and sports talk hosts. Yeah, I like him too. I think he's... He's definitely open to ideas, which is excellent for the league. Him and Adam Silver are both doing an excellent job as, as new guys. But uh, in terms of the schedule dropping 154 games, to be honest, I really don't see that much of a difference. It's eight games. I really don't Either. I don't see a point, really. I figure just keep it the same, because then if you drop the amount of games, then the stats are going to get skewed from past years, and people are going to start comparing year to year and the differences and stuff, and it's not going to be right because it's not going to be the same amount of games. So I don't like that. I think they should just keep it what it is. Um, if you're going to change it, change it dramatically, not not like a week's worth of games. That's my thought on that. And expanding expanding the league to uh, more teams in the playoffs, I kind of like it because I feel like there's not enough teams, but I also don't want it to turn into the NBA and NHL where there's way too many teams in the playoffs. So but like, I don't know. The worst part about that is, is too, Jess. Sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to anyway. Um, it, we're, unless you move the season back, like Solly suggested, you're already going close to November every year anyway. Right. So if you have more teams, what are you going to do? Have a playing game, then next whole other series, and then a couple more series like normal? Like that, that goes into November every That's year. That's true. It really can't go any longer than it does. So no. I mean, they already report to spring training in February. So like, Just keep everything the same. Keep the season the same. Keep the teams the same. <laughs> I'm cool with shortening the games. I mean, whatever. But adding teams isn't going to help your problem. No, I don't like the idea of adding teams. Um, basically, what Jess said, it's going to be like the NHL and the NBA, where it just goes on forever, where it's like the playoffs start in April and they end in almost July for NHL so it's like it's just never ending and then 
go, going off what Jess said again, just if you're going to change the <laughs> the amount of games, change it dramatically because what there's eight games isn't going to do anything. Drop it like thirty games if you want to make some kind of difference. See, I you know I love I agree with you guys. The eight, the eight games is a joke. It doesn't mean anything. But I love the fact that they're coming out and saying they've been talking about it because that means it, I mean obviously we know they know the problem about baseball, but it's nice to see them actually admit to the public, not by telling us directly, but with all these examples, we have a problem. Like, it's like they're going to AA for baseball executives. <laughs> like, we have a problem. We're fixing it. Like, they know what's going on with this game. They know how big of a drop the numbers are in baseball, and they're trying to fix it. And, they, and this is all the stuff that we've talked about and speculated forever, but they've never come out and said anything. And how long has Rob Manfred been in charge? Not that long. Less, so, less than a year, yeah. Yeah, and he's already been saying all this stuff out in public in less than a year. He seems to be a very aware guy who knows exactly what's going on. He, he seems to have a good head on his shoulders. So, wait, we got a good, we got a great commissioner for the baseball now. we got a great commissioner for basketball. Come on, NFL. What are you waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, still waiting for that Brady appeal. That's what I'm waiting yeah, for. I'm waiting for um, One day. For it. Could you imagine, and speaking of Manford being a good commissioner, if Tom Warner actually got to be commissioner, like because he, he, his name was in the hat. Yeah, he was the top one of the top finalists. Isn't yep. that scary? I don't know if he was done well. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how. Like, it felt. We all criticize about how how they run stuff at Fenway. Most of us. I know I do. Um, no surprise to most oh, of you. Oh, really? <laughs> but um, think about the way they run stuff around Fenway. And if you have any complaints about their, oh, let's go sell some more bricks and all this stuff, how would you think he would run Major League Baseball? He's not a baseball guy. I think Manfred ran one for a reason. So <laughs> Warner gave a shot, but I think they, they picked the right guy. I yeah, I think so too. I don't know where they'd be now. I don't, that's all I gotta say. I don't know where they'd be if Manfred didn't get picked. Warner has a good idea. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not feeling that. Yeah, no. I'm glad. I, I mean, as much as I, I would have been nice to get him out of Fenway <laughs> more often than not, um, I, I think it would have been bad for the whole sport in general. So he still would have screwed us over, just not more indirectly exactly. than. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> so it would have been just as bad though. Uh, anyway, those are your MLB headlines. Brought to you by. Linda.com, over 4,500 different courses taught by experts online every day. So go on, check it out, and claim your free 10-day trial going to www.linda.com backslash CLNS. All right, let's, um, what do we want to do here? Let's do fantasy. I was going to say, we should, here, I, we should talk about the home run derby, then do fantasy, then do the recap. You want to do that? You want to call the shots? Cool, yeah. for that. Sound good? I like it. Yeah, I loved it. Loved the home run derby. Uh, it was, every second it of was it. It was great. I was I almost didn't watch it too, but I was like, you know what? It's a new format. I wasn't doing much. I don't remember. I was doing something while watching it, and then as soon as it started, after a round, I put whatever I was doing down, and just focused on the home run derby. Wait, and I don't usually do you that. You put up last week's show right before it started, so you were doing that. <laughs> I was probably doing the show then. Yeah, I don't even know. But yeah, it was exciting. It was a lot of fun, and I thought I was going to hate it with the bracket format, but it was so much fun, and it just it was very exciting. Let's see, I'd be even 04 if, like, they got rid I mean, they're probably not going to because it worked so well, but just keeping the time and getting rid of the bracket because it would have been cool to see all those guys go up against each other versus, like, you didn't see Jock Peterson go up against Frazier to the finals or you didn't see Albert Pujols much go up against or guys on the other side. Prince Fielder was barely in it, but, like, because he got knocked out. But he hit 13 home runs in the first round. Right. So, like, stuff. the bracket kind of takes those guys out of it quicker, which I guess is what they wanted to do. They wanted it to be over quickly, but, like, Prince Fielder might have gone further if there wasn't a bracket because he hit 13 homers in the yeah, first he round. He could have won if there wasn't a bracket, but... That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. No, I definitely... I loved it. I mean, I've loved it in the past. I've always been a huge fan of the Derby, which I said on last week's show, and obviously I recapped it, so I was clearly into it. Um, but I thought... You had no choice. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be terrible. I was not looking for. I was looking forward to it because I looked forward to it, and I was like, I'll just go along with it and see how it goes. And after the first batter, I was like, oh, this is awesome, and I was really enjoying it. I thought it was... It's it's like really flowed well. It kept people's interest the entire time. Everyone was hitting a bunch of home runs. It was the most home runs in, in Derby history. So it was exciting throughout the entire thing. I think yeah, the only thing is the bracket style because it does knock you out even if you do really well. But in the terms of this, it was so exciting because each bracket was really every bracket was was uh, with one home run difference. It was so close. It was great. Everyone loved it and came down to the wire. And that was that was one run difference too. So I thought it was great. And the, yeah, I, I I thought that four minutes wouldn't be much for each hitter, but it turned out to kind of just be the perfect amount of time. My two takes from it. Big takes were thank God for the rain that was supposedly coming because they shortened it from five to four. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably could have even done three, 
but four I liked. Four was good. And I like the time aspect of it because my second take is I loved the walk-offs. Like, guys hitting home runs on the at the buzzer. Walk-off winner. Like, walk-off dinger to win the game at the buzzer. Like, no one says that. <laughs> so that's like a new aspect that you can throw into baseball. And they said it on the broadcast. I forget who said it. I don't remember. But people love the clock. People love the idea of a clock running down and something having to do it in a certain amount of time. And that's why basketball succeeds at the end of games. Football obviously succeeds for a whole other level. But sports like that, they run well with hockey, and included, obviously, because they have a clock. Like, you have to do it in a certain amount of time. Whereas, I mean, think about this. And it's the way I think about it. Frazier had, what, thir- almost like 37 swings per round? Yeah, he was, like, he was flying. And, and, like, that's insane. You never would see that in the old style. He was telling his brother, he's like, hurry up, hurry up, throw, 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 throw. Yeah, like, he was hustling, he was ready to go, and it's like, which I love the brother aspect too, but the fact that he could do that many swings, you wouldn't see that in the old days. He would have taken pitches, probably gotten maybe, like, say, if he got 13 homers, it probably would have been, like, 23 swings. Like, you know, like, it's just a matter of... You don't see that many swings every round until now. What I also found interesting, too, was that how they all kind of did their different paces. Like, Albert Pujols took a ton of pitches. He wasn't worried about the clock, and he still he still went far in the derby. So it was funny how some guys took pitches, some didn't take any, some were just taking wild hacks. So I thought it was interesting how they all did it differently. I loved his veteran presence because he knew. Like, he had, he needed one home run in, like, 15 seconds. He took two pitches right. and then hit the last. Yeah, I know. Like, no, every, that was, like, Jock Peterson or even Frazier, maybe, because he was, like hyped up with the crowd, they would have been hacking away and trying to hit that last one and getting tired. He knew he was waiting for one pitch, and that's all he needed. And, and literally, swinging a bat takes, like, not even one second. So as long as you get the swing off, you're good. Yeah, definitely. And going back to like what Jared said, I love the walk-off aspect of it. just made it really exciting, and especially the the last round with Frazier. It was just – it was. I just love how he won it and that he won it. It was great. I love the fact that he, like – I, I, I love his story. I do love Frazier's story quickly. Obviously, like, he won the Little League World Series. There's pictures out there of him standing next to Jeter at shortstop at one of those games when they were honoring them winning the World Series. And then all of a sudden now he's in the big leagues making his own heroics. It's a great story. I love Frazier's story, and I love the way he plays the game. Um, too bad he's stuck in Cincinnati. Um, but I, I think he's great for the game, too. He's one of those, kids, one of those guys. He's not young anymore. But he's, he's great for the game, and I'm glad he got to win this year. Because, you know, he came, what, he was in last year, right? He came in second last yeah, year? Yeah, he lost to Cespedes in the final last year. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad that he came and did it this year. And, I'm, and the atmosphere in there was rocking. Yeah, it was real fun. Raving reviews, A-pluses all around. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. All right, let's, uh, let, let's take Jess's orders. Let's take Jess's orders here <laughs> and uh, do some fantasy talk. Of course, this fantasy segment every week. Tell you who to add, tell you who to don't, 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 We don't tell you how to drop. Just add. you got to figure that out on your own. But obviously you can check out the article you guys write, um, and you can check out that you guys suggest drops as well on CLNS. Yeah, we were off this week because obviously there's, there was almost no games, so a little hard to <laughs> do an updated segment with no games. So We'll be back next Fair. week, though. But So uh, you, got, you got some advice from us, at least, for the coming week to who to add. Um, let's see, who do I want to go first this week? Let's see. Uh, Lauren, you can go first. All right, so my first pick is Chris Young from, from the Yankees. Um, you have a good chance of picking him up. He's only owned in about 11% of Yahoo leagues. Um, he's only batting 257, 11 home runs, 27 RBI. But if he's batting against a left-handed pitcher, you want this guy in your lineup because he hits 365, has six out of his 11 home runs, came against left-handed pitching, and he's got 14 RBI. So he's definitely a good guy to have when, you have, when you're facing a lefty. That's a good one. I agree. Um, it's unfortunate that he's a Yankee. Yes. But it's definitely definitely a good suggestion. Uh, we're not biased to those Yankee people when suggesting to, for success for your team. I've been harping all year. Go get A-Rod, and he's been playing well. So um, definitely go out and get them. I'm going to go first with Carlos Santana, first baseman for the Indians. He's only hitting 235 now, but he's always been a late bloomer, and this is the time of year where he usually picks it up. Last three years, stats don't lie. This guy loves the second half expect him to have a big half if you go back and look at the stats he's huge from this time last year on um last year he went from june on he likes to play this time of year so go out and get santana he's got he's definitely available in most leagues my first guy is matt duffy on the san francisco giants he plays second and third so he's good to slot in a few different spots and he's he's been on fire which is funny because he's only owned in slightly more than half of espn leagues but if you look at his last week well, between with the All Star break in between, he had three hits on the 18th, three hits on the 17th, 
three hits on the 11th, and four hits on the 10th. So he's been on absolute fire. He averages over 300 at 302. He's got four home, uh, four RBI in that span of time. So this guy's a hit machine. So get runs, get RBI, and get hits. I mean, I, I can't believe he's only owning half the league because he's absolutely on a tear. I like that one. That's a good one. Yeah, I like and that Duffy. one too. No one's heard of him, so I had him. I had him for a little bit, and I dropped him, and now I'm kind of regretting it. But he's probably still he's probably still around though. Uh, I think I had my advice to Adam a few weeks ago. You yeah, you were on it. his train early. Yeah, yeah, you were all over yep. that. I was. I like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> my my second pick is Joe Maurer, first baseman for the Minnesota Twins. He had a bad first half, a lot of struggles, but this past month he's been pretty decent. He's had four home runs in the last month, and he's a career three sixteen hitter. Right now he's at two seventy one. So the more he continues this surge that he's on, the more that average will raise. Go back to hopefully what he was. Not never what he was, but what he should be. Uh, never never a bad thing to pick up, pick him up. He's he's always got that potential to break out, and I definitely think that's a good call, especially on a team that's um succeeding. They're not terrible this year. So I definitely go out and check him out. Um, let's see. Where, where's my second one? There you are. Uh, Melky Cabrera of the White Sox. You all know who Melky Cabrera is. I don't have to tell you that. But uh, he, uh, let's see, Last in the last month, he is hitting 326 with an 890 OPS. Um, he seems to be gathering that, that ability to hit like he had last year in Seattle and why the White Sox paid so much for the guy. He hasn't been successful all, most of the season, but it seems like he's starting to hit the ball better and see the ball better, and I think he's coming to his own just like Carl Santana is going to be soon. Um, so definitely go out and check out Melky Cabrera as well. And my last guy is a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, Mike Balsinger. He is a rookie, I believe, and he's pitched pretty well all season. He's had a few ups and downs, but overall he's 4-3 and three with a 3.04 ERA, and his last two games he's only given up three runs total. He hasn't gotten a win since June 8th, but he's pitched very good games in a number of those. He doesn't go a lot of innings, but if he can just lift his innings a little bit more, then he'll get more wins, and he's got a good ERA. So if you need a good uh, guy who will limit your runs for your team, he's a good guy to get. I like yeah no I like Paul Singer he's a good he's 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 a good guy he's been pitching pretty well um, there you have it Lauren had Joe Maurer and Chris Young Jess had Duffy and Bulls, Matt Duffy and Mike Bolsinger as just mentioned and I had Carlos Santana and Melky Cabrera and those are your fantasy ads this week brought to you by of course DraftKings baseball's in full swing and you can be part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com the official daily fantasy partner of Major League Baseball. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, just instant cash and instant gratification. Why wait until the end of the season to get paid when you can win huge prizes every day? At DraftKings, it's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just pick two pitchers, eight position players, and pick up your cash, and that's it. Ask Peter from Colorado. Last year, he won a million dollars in one day playing fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Hundreds of thousands of fantasy sports fans just like you have already cashed in at DraftKings. Now it's your turn. New contests are starting daily, so hurry to DraftKings.com right now and use promo code New England to play for free in today's $10,000 fantasy baseball contest. DraftKings.com, the official partner of Major League Baseball, enter New England for free now. Enter now at DraftKings.com. And, of course, I know, again, I say it every week, but I really do. I play DraftKings way too much more than I should. Um, but I do enjoy DraftKings. I don't know if you two do it. I, I don't really ever get your answer. But do you guys play? Do you guys use DraftKings? I don't even know. No, I don't. I did it once and failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't take so, – she still knows her fantasy stuff. She still knows her fantasy stuff. Don't don't mind the, the failing at DraftKings. But <laughs> DraftKings is a great thing. Um, so go on, go on and check them out. And, of course, they're a great sponsor for us as well. Um, so there you have it. Uh, let's move on. What else do I want to talk about? What else is on this, this lovely list here before we get to the preview? What? I can do the two-game recap to catch everyone up. You want, you want to do your two-game recap? Do you want to do it's it? It's going to be real quick, yeah. I'll, I'll All right, shoot for it. Let's shoot for it quickly. Uh, so there were two games so far, and actually it's funny because we're doing the show here on Sunday night, and the Red Sox are playing Sunday night baseball, and the game's delayed still, so it hasn't even started. So we are up, up to the minute as we can possibly be here with our, our two games that we've got. <laughs> And the Red Sox have scored a whole uh, total of zero runs in two games. So let's make this quick. Uh, Friday, Ooh, donut hole. Friday night's game was, was a great game, and it's really unfortunate how it turned out because Wade Miley was fantastic. He pitched six innings of no-hit ball. He pitched five and a third innings of perfect game. He was rolling. He was working fast as always. He wasn't throwing a lot of pitches. He was really dominant against the good lineup. 
he finished with seven innings, one hit, two walks, six Ks. Really deserved a win, but when you don't score, you don't win. And C.J. Wilson shut down the Red Sox almost as much as Miley shut down the Angels. He did give up five hits and three walks. The Red Sox had plenty more chances than the Angels did, but they just couldn't get that run across. They kept getting guys to second, a couple guys to third, just could not drive them in, which is unfortunate because we went all the way to the bottom of the ninth inning of a tied game, scoreless, and Koji Uehara got two quick outs of uh, Johnny Giovatella and Cole Calhoun. But, of course, it brought up Mike Trout, unfortunately, and dun, dun, dun. he enjoys ninth inning games that are tied. And second, he's a stud. Second pitch of the bat, he just got got his pitch, oh. low low uh, splitter, and he destroyed it to center field. That was all she wrote, one nothing Angels. Heartbreak. Why are you pitching to him, Jess? Jess, why are you pitching to him? Well, I mean, they only had one hit in the entire game, so I guess they were feeling good about... But it's Mike Trout. I know. Would you rather face Pujols? Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's really you're, if you're if you're gonna lose two nothing versus one nothing, don't pitch to Mike Trout. Yeah, you're right. Like worst case scenario, they hit Pools is a two run homer. Who cares if you lose two or one nothing? They were figuring it was Koji, and he's a good pitcher, and he was uh, doing well. It's it's so unfortunate because that would have been a great way to start off the second half, get a nice win, pick up a game on the Yankees. Uh, actually, the Yankees won Friday; they lost Saturday. Either way, it would have been a good win to get, and it was a really tough loss, and they really deserved to win it if you go by pitching because. Really, Miley was fantastic. So, really tough loss to start out, which was annoying because it brought us to Saturday yesterday. And that was just frustrating because, once again, not many runs in the game for either team. But when you get zero, you're not going to win. I mean, it's hard to win when you don't score any runs when you when you score actually zero. Because, like, That's true. you're not going to you win if you don't win. score a run. <laughs> Got to score at least one. Right. Maybe you one. Even if you don't get a hit, score a run. But they didn't get runs or hits for that matter. Uh, this game was... Cole Calhoun night at uh, Anaheim Stadium. He hit two solo dingers off Rick Porcello. Literally the exact same pitch in the exact same place. He hit it the exact same place in the outfield. It's like, why did you throw the same pitch to him when he just did a home run two innings earlier? So that was annoying. Porcello Because it was Rick Porcello. Well, that's the thing. He didn't pitch that bad, really. I mean, his command was a little off. Three walks, four hits. Only went five innings because he threw 102 pitches. But, he, I mean, overall, he didn't do that bad. Just those two home runs, but once again, if you don't score, you're not going to win. And it wasn't too bad for him, right? Yeah, it was bad. All, all it, was, it was just better than his normal starts, not getting out of the third inning. Right. All things considered, it wasn't that bad. And Masterson actually came in and pitched three innings, only giving up one hit, and had four strikeouts. He looked fantastic, but everything was overshadowed on Saturday by Garrett Richards, who pitched a complete game, two-hit shutout. So if you thought C.J. Wilson was good on Friday, then Garrett Richards is even better on Saturday. And two hits for the Red Sox, both Pablo Sandoval. He had a single off Richards, and then a ground will double to left field. And that was it. Nobody else could get a hit. Mookie Betts is 0 for 8 in the series so far. Dustin Pedroia 0 for 8 in the series. Bogarts had a nice 0 for on Saturday. Ortiz had an 0 for. Ramirez had an 0 for. I mean, who didn't? Everyone had an 0 for except Sandoval. So, tough game. Only four runs in the series. So... I I really I'm happy with the pitching so far, but not even Ugh. scored a run in 18 innings, which is so maddening. So terrible way. To, it's like a whole, terrible way to start off the second half. It's like a whole other cycle. Like this is what happened at the beginning of the year. We couldn't get the runs. The pitching was decent, and then the, the offense figured itself out, and then the pitching sucked again. And now it's coming back to flip flop again. Right. Well, all I have to say is that that uh, since we still got two games left in the series, uh, they really need to win these next two games, get back on the right track, and then hopefully do well for the rest of this week because, you know, it's, it's a big week. They're all big weeks, and, and this is the time. If they're going to if they're gonna do anything this season, you got to do it before the trade deadline just to see if you can, like, squeeze out a couple wins. So if they can have a good week, we can talk then. But two really bad losses, you got to score runs. So if they could score, like, ten runs tonight, that would be great. I could see them also, too, Jess. Um I could, I, as much as we're going to predict something different, I might predict something different. Um, like, I could see them having a good week coming up as well, and we'll talk about that more later. But with the two teams they're playing, they could have a decent week this week. Yeah, you yep. can't lose four games straight coming out of the All-Star break. You just can't do that. Now, tonight's huge, Sunday night. If you're listening to the show, it'll probably, probably won't be over by that point or rained out or something. But if they get the game in, they really need to win it. How much would that suck for ESPN if the game gets called? National <laughs> How much is the rainy there? I mean, I haven't checked it out yet, but it's. it's I, haven't, I haven't looked. Hour and a half. It hasn't, start, hasn't started yet. Yeah. So, 
Good thing for uh, ESPN is they're on the West Coast. they got a little more leeway. Right, exactly. So, People over here will be up late, but... Yeah, we'll be up late, but they won't care. Right. No. Nope. So, so, so uh, we'll see what goes on with that one. But, uh, Jess, beautiful recap. Um, do you want to give an MVP? Is there one to give? Yeah, I'm giving it to Wade Miley because, I mean, you're, you're obviously not going to give it to anyone offensively because they didn't score. And <laughs> True. And, I mean, I guess you could say Masters because he pitched well in relief, but, I mean... Miley, well, you could give it to Sandoval. He got the only hit of, like, the weekend. Right. You give yeah. it to a couple guys, but overall, I mean, Miley pitched six no-hit innings. That's impressive, so you got to give it to him. There you go. I like it. That's probably the only guy I would even consider giving it to. So it was um, fun. Nice two-game recap. Nice and easy. It was quick. Fresh, got to the point. I like it. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was nice. It was good. Yeah, of course, you did a great job. Um, so, uh, what else? Okay, I do want to talk a little more about Brian Johnson before we get to the um, the uh, what's it called preview. The preview of the week before we get out of here. Um, I love the fact that he's starting finally. I, I know it obviously took Clay Buckholz to get him to uh, get hurt to start. But I'm intrigued to see what the kid has. Um, I don't think you, I think he can only pitch so well in AAA before he was going to get the nod anyway because he's been pitching pretty well. I don't know what his ERA is. I don't know. But it's in the ones, right? Um, I think when he was brought up, it was 276. Oh, really? I thought it was lower than that. I so think. Really oh, yeah. That's good. Wow. Okay, then. Never mind. I, I guess I'm thinking like Lauren now. I just really like the guy. <laughs> um, it, it was 184 at one point. Okay, that, that's probably what I'm thinking. I haven't looked at it in a while. 273 so. is what it is. Okay, well, maybe he's going to do crappy then. Who knows? But he is catching a good matchup because, like, like um, Sully said earlier on the show with us, Houston is, is kind of a downward spiral team right now. They're kind of trying to kind of dig their cleats in the heels and try to not fall too far, but they're slowly becoming the Houston Astros again. Um, so potentially is a good start there for Brian Johnson. Well, I'm and, excited. And like what I said, too, against against a guy who's only pitched six games in his career, it's, it's not like he's going to be, like, overpowered and scared facing a, a, a wily veteran or something. How great would it be, and I know Lauren thinks this of him, but if you could get, like, Eduardo Rodriguez 2.0 out of this guy and, like, really have two young guys to pitch well out of coming out of Pawtucket. And then Stephen Wright, too. And then Stephen Wright, who isn't young, though. Let's be honest. He's, what, 30? Uh, yeah, he's 30. I didn't think, oh, I didn't know he's yeah, that he's old. Yeah, he's 30. Yeah, he's old. He's an old dude. Um... So, I mean, by the Red Sox philosophy, he won't be here after next year because they don't pay guys who are 30. No, they hate 30-year-olds. Um, they hate 30-year-olds. <laughs> but but at least they have those three guys, and I think if Brian Johnson pans out, which he's supposed to be, doesn't this put also put less pressure on Henry Owens to become the next guy this quickly? Because all the hype's been on Henry Owens for all these years, and now these two guys, out of nowhere, I mean, Rodriguez was not nowhere, just, he wasn't in our system for the whole time, but these two guys are now taking a little bit of pressure off of Henry Owens, and he can figure his himself out in AAA, too, which is kind of nice. Uh, ripple effect all the way down. Yeah, all um, during spring training it was Henry Owens, Henry Owens, and now it's where is Henry Owens? It's Brian Johnson now, which is fine by me. But it's just weird how, well, funny how the tables have turned, kind of. Yeah, no one cares about Henry Owens anymore. Yeah, which is probably good because now it's taking less pressure off from him. Serious though, because like the you know much pressure probably on some kid who's going to be claimed as the next thing before he's even here. Yeah. Like, nobody's even talking about him right now. His ERA is probably, like, 125 right now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Com- coming into the season, oh, that would be great. Um, coming into the season, I was all for Henry Owens. Like, I was like, okay, when's this team going to need Henry Owens? Maybe in September to help you win. Because, like, obviously coming into the year, we all thought this team was going to do well. Um, and we saw the, the issues in the, the rotation. So we're like, okay, just wait. Henry Owens will be ready by the end of the year, and we'll have him help us get push, make that final push into the playoffs and make a run. One, we were way off on that. Two... Henry Owens hasn't panned out, but it might not be that. It might just be more of Brian Johnson and Eduardo Rodriguez have come out and done so much that now we don't need Henry Owens right away because Henry Owens has been compared to, like, Cole Hamels of what he could be. Yeah, I mean, That's a lot 20, of pressure right there. He's only 22 years old. I'm looking at his numbers right now. He's This year he's 3-7 and seven with a 326 ERA. So bad record, but his ERA is pretty oh, good. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Do we see him... I mean, granted, I don't know how good the Paw Sox have been playing as a team. That's why his Not record good. might be bad. Yeah, but bad. I didn't think they were great, yeah. Especially because we sent him Alan Craig and Joe Kelly. That doesn't help. That <laughs> um, really doesn't. And then they had Shane Victorino for a little bit. doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. But um, do we see him at all this, this the rest of the season? Probably not. Probably I mean, at least, bef- okay, before September call-ups. I think he'll be up here in September once they make the call-ups. But do you oh, think definitely. he'll be here before September? Definitely not. No, I don't think so. No chance. You guys really don't think he'll be even being here in September? Maybe September, definitely not before. I don't know. I'm intri- I, I would give him a start in September, see what he's got. I guess it depends where the team's at as a whole, whether they're tanking or whether they're getting a shot, 
possibly right, the if they're playoffs, like 500 rather than like 20 games. Is this under, team yeah. is this team good enough to tank? Aren't they kind of, can they lose on purpose? Are they good no. enough to tank? No, I don't think so. Because I, so. I mean, Mike Napoli's tanking all on his own, and that's like he, Mike that's Napoli's trying to play baseball. Mike Napoli's trying to play baseball, and he looks like he's tanking. Yeah. That's no, bad. I don't. I know. I really wanted to do so well. Well, but I, but I don't want to get off on that rant rant because I will. But um, <laughs> I really I really honestly think that Henry Owens will probably be up here in September clubs, get a start or two um, towards the end of the year because I really think this team is dropping fast slowly. And unless they make their buyers at the deadline, which we will talk about next week or the week after, so stay tuned for that, everyone. Um, I, I honestly think that they can't really do any wrong by it. And I think mean, it's we'll worth see. a shot. Yeah, we'll see what they do. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I, I, I'm I'm okay to see Henry Owens start get a start at least. But uh, let's uh, let's do a little preview. Let's preview the week ahead. Um, oh, look, I'm back to my pessimistic ways. I'm just looking at the sheet in front of me to see what we got here. Um, let's oh, see. Got, All right, we still got tonight's game and tomorrow's game before these games happen too. So just keep that yes. in mind. Uh, those two nights, of course, we are previewing the three versus the Astros, which are on the road, and three with the Tigers, which are all at home. Um, so let's start with Jess. All right, so I think that the Astros series will be a good one. I got Red Sox winning two out of three from, from Houston because, as we've talked about, Houston's on a downslide, and hopefully the Red Sox will be in an upswing if they can win the last two games of the Angels series and then put it to Houston a little bit. So I think two out of three is fair for the series. Yeah, I got the same thing. Um, I was thinking about going sweet because, like we said, they were on the downslide. But one, I don't trust this Red Sox team enough to win three games in a row. And right now, the way they're playing against the Angels. And two, I don't trust that Altuve won't screw us over somehow. Just because he's a little ball of fury and he's good. And so, road uh, games, too. And road games, which doesn't help either. Um, and that stupid center field. Ugh. Um, so I, I somehow, there's a, between all those factors, there's a loss in there somewhere. Yeah, that's about where I'm at, too. I'm taking... Two out of three from Houston, so same thing, road games. You guys basically said everything I was going to say. So <laughs> We're all in agreement. All right, so. <laughs> let's move on to Detroit then. We don't need to uh, stalemate that one. Um, Just, you can go get it. All right, we're Ten. all different on this one. So for this series, I'm going two out of three from Detroit as well to make it a four and two week. They're, they're so bad for what they're supposed to be. They're 45 and 46 currently as the show is airing, so they're under 500. They're not that much better than the Red Sox, and Sox are at home. I think they'll want to win some home games, and hopefully be building off the momentum they get from hopefully a couple wins against the Angels and a couple wins against Houston. So we'll go for a couple more wins against Detroit and make it a 4-2 week. I can see that, um, especially because Biggie's hurt and he's not playing, so that's a big help for the Red Sox going as well. But I like them to lose. I don't really like them to do it, but I want them. They're going to lose two out of three, I think, to the Detroit Tigers and be an even 500, three and three on the week. Um, I really did want – I almost went with you, Jess, on the two out of three from Detroit, but – I don't know. I just feel like they never really play well against Detroit, despite obviously the guys they're hurt and they're not the same team. Um, I'm hoping they do that well, like you said, Jess, because they're going into a series with the White Sox the week after, who also aren't great, and they're also honoring Pedro next week, which is great for him too. So, um, I, but I still see them losing two out of three from Detroit. I'm going really optimistic. I'm going with a sweep of Detroit. I think. Woo! <laughs> yes. I know. Hot takes. Hot uh, takes with Lauren Campbell. I know. It's the first. And, um, I don't know, coming home, first home series after the All-Star break, I think they'll have some momentum, regardless of what happens with the Astros series, just getting back to Fenway, getting in front of their home fans. Uh, I think they're I think they're ready to sweep series. Hey, last time you picked them to have a good week, they did, so. <laughs> we'll yeah. Hopefully Lauren, Lauren's uh, mojo is on the team then. I mean, Brian Johnson's be here, so. <laughs> Brian Johnson cures all everyone. All is well with yes. the world. <laughs> uh, all is well with is with Brian Johnson up. Uh, but there you have it. Jess has us going four and two. I have us going three and three. Lauren has the Red Sox going five and one this week. Very optimistic. Um, I guess I'm back to my pessimistic ways because I have the team playing the worst out of all three of us. Even though is 500 really that pessimistic? I don't think so. No. Considering the, the way this team is, I think it's fair. It's not terrible. You've it's not hard. as bad as me going zero and six. <laughs> Which I consider, but it's they're too bad of teams to really not get at least one win this week. So, but there you have it. There's the uh, the lovely, lovely preview of this week. Um, and I think we're going to end it there, like we usually do. That was a good show, guys. Uh, again, we want to thank uh, Sully Baseball at Sully Baseball. Paul Sullivan is his full name to coming on 
Uh, don't forget to check him out. He has 1,000th episode. He has a show every day, so that's 1,000 straight days he's been on air um, doing his thing, talking baseball. So go on and check him out, at Sully Baseball on Twitter. Uh, if you Google Sully Baseball, it'll come up too. Um, I, I love the stuff he had to say. He was a good guy. He's funny. So it was definitely a good interview there. And um, don't forget, of course, that you can find us on Twitter at Red Sox Beat. Um, if you tweet at CLNS Radio, we'll respond to because I know some of us have control of that Twitter. Um, on Facebook, we're at Red Sox Beat. We're on Tumblr. We're, we're everywhere. So uh, don't be shy. Hit us up wherever you want to find us. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll talk back, of course, on Reached as well. Jess, um, I'm sure you're going to have some more Reached questions within the next couple days. Oh, yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get that going. And uh, don't forget this episode of Red Sox Beat was brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. And we all know how expensive mattresses can be, so take advantage, and Casper is a great product. So go on and check it out. Again, it's casper.com backslash Celtics, and then just enter the promo code Celtics when you're on your checkout, and you'll get that $50 discount. Um, yeah, so uh, again, guys, great show, as always. Um, didn't have much to recap, like Jess did on this wonderful two-second recap, but either way, um, yeah, so this, of course, has been Red Sox Beat on Sionis Radio. Uh, full week of baseball, finally, again, this week coming up again we just previewed it for you so go on and enjoy the baseball hopefully you're watching the angels play the red Sox on sunday night um hopefully it didn't get rained didn't get rained out but uh, either way enjoy the week we'll talk to you next week and we might even start sprinkling in some trade deadline talk so until then get those trade uh trade rumors ready and talk to us and we'll respond this is red Sox beat on the honest radio